0: Welcome to the Theory and Practice Podcast, hosted by me, Anna Cordera. I created Theory and Practice after growing tired of the exclusive and perfectionist nature of wellness conversations. And so my hope is that with this platform and this podcast, we inspire you, the next generation of changemakers, to prioritize self-discovery before self-improvement. So every week, we'll bring you the ideas and resources to help you get to know yourself better through conversations with young emerging thought leaders and established trailblazers and the ever so often solo episode with just me sharing a book or idea that has helped me in my journey of self-discovery. So thanks so much for listening and for joining along. Hi, everyone. I am so excited for today's episode. I had an amazing conversation with Natalie Barbu, who is a content creator and entrepreneur. Some of you may know her as the founder of Rella. She is also a well-known podcaster with her podcast, The Real Real, and has also established herself as a thought leader in the lifestyle content creation, and of course, entrepreneurial space. She's based in Miami and she flew to New York. We happened to get coffee one day and then we said, why not film this podcast? So I'm really grateful for her to have made the, the track to film this episode and we get into a lot on this episode, as I mentioned. So a little bit more about Natalie. She started creating content when she was just 15 years old. So she's been doing it for more than 10 years at this point. She's been doing it for the past 12 years. She first got her start on YouTube when she joined to be a beauty guru and she really became one. She was recognized by YouTube, by Seventeen Magazine, and you'll hear her speak about all of these experiences on the pod. Now, keep in mind that this all happened to be during the height of the YouTube beauty influencer phase, so we get into what that means and all those details in our conversation since then she's been on quite the impressive entrepreneurial journey i won't spoil too much of it now of what that journey has been but because i really want you all to hear it from her but today she is spending her time building rella which is a digital workspace for creators and really any creative professional to manage their businesses so we touch on many many topics in this conversation from natalie's youtube career to her start as an entrepreneur We talk about the difference between pursuing your interests versus your passions. Why starting a business must come from a genuine place, not out of sheer desperation to be an entrepreneur. The power of a personal brand. Natalie's tips for content creators. Why business owners need to own their voice and create a personal brand for the benefit of their business. And of course, throughout the conversation, we touch on self-discovery, how she embeds it into her daily routine, entrepreneurial pursuits, and more. So enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. Natalie, thank you so much for coming to
1: the Theory and Practice podcast. I'm thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me, I'm really excited. And I love being here like in New York recording in person. The setup is amazing, so I'm really excited. And I'm really happy that we are getting to to do this while you're in New York me too and not over zoom yeah I I hate zoom interviews I there's just something about in person that I think for the listener and if they're watching on on video as well it's just so much better like we're we've been staring at a screen for all day pretty much and for years now since COVID especially that I kind of just want to see someone even if it is on a screen like interact in person and not be like a kind of blurry Zoom screen. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, there's definitely something to be said about the connection that you form with someone in person versus on screen.
1: A hundred percent.
0: But anyway, thank you for coming here. And as you know, the Theory and Practice podcast is one that our main audience is, you know, the Gen Zers of the world who are on their path of self-discovery, who are reflecting on their interests, their curiosities, their hobbies to create the
1: life that they want. And as someone who... Is also Gen Z, I would say. Yeah. I never know if I'm Gen Z or millennial because I was born in 96.
0: I was born 96. I think that's like the cusp of like you're still Gen Z, but like kind of like maybe millennial. Yeah.
1: I'm like, I'm like, I can kind of go either way. I I can sometimes I I, I can relate more to Gen Z in certain aspects. And then I relate to millennials in other aspects. We're like right in the middle where we kind of have like half of our attributes from millennials, half of them from Gen Z. And you know what? That's actually a really good place to be in because we can choose. Exactly. Like sometimes if I, you know, want to I don't know like dress like a super trendy or be I don't know like act younger I'm like well I'm a gen z so it's fine exactly (laughs) and when I need to like I don't know if I'm doing something that's like a little cringy I'm like well I'm a millennial so it's fine (laughs) I love how you associated cringe with millennial I know I know because I feel like that's like the millennial cringe is like such a big thing right now um so I, I I'm not like in my 30s yet where you know I'm I'm super millennial but i i think that it's a little more cringy than gen z but gen z will be cringy once the next generation comes once generation alpha chooses what is cool and what is not
0: exactly it's gonna happen at some point yeah so get ready for it gen zers yes yes exactly (laughs) so so tell us tell us your story give the audience an overview of who you are obviously there you've done a number of podcast interviews article interviews but for the theory and practice audience that maybe hasn't heard of you yet
1: who are you yeah. So I always say that I am a content creator turned entrepreneur and they're kind of one and the same at this point, I think. But um, I've been on YouTube for 12 years. So since I was 15 years old, I've been on YouTube and I started in like the beauty and fashion space back when that was what like girls my age on YouTube were doing, like the beauty guru era, um, which is so funny to say, because at 15, none of us knew what we were doing when it came to fashion and beauty. Like I was doing makeup tutorials when I never wore makeup. Like I, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup in middle school. And like once high school came around, my mom finally let me wear makeup and it was just like very little. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but one year in I was like, I'm a beauty guru. <laughs> I can make this. I love that. Who, who did you watch? I loved watching like juicy star. Oh, seven Mac Barbie. Oh, seven. Um, L-, L. Fowler, like Blair's sister. All That glitters, 21. I was like, what was her username? Um, Claudia Saluski. I forgot her name also. She's now dating... Um, Phineas. Yes. Yes. I love her videos. She's one that like, I have watched her for the past 12 years. Mm-hmm. Like I have seen her when she was in her room making videos like I was to now like literally dating, you know, Phineas and is so, so cool and just like killing it. So... I've definitely like grown up with her and she's I think she's she's only like a month older than me or something. So we're the same age. Um, But yeah, that was like how I got my start. And then I did it throughout high school, college. In college, I thought I was going to do something a bit more technical. So I majored in industrial engineering, which is like a little different than the beauty guru phase. Um, And then I got a job after college at a consulting firm, quit my job to do social media full time started a clothing business that ended up not working out um then I started like a like freelance consultancy where I would help other creators grow on social media and then that kind of turned into starting my own um, app which is called Rella and that's a digital workspace for creators to manage their business and their content and now we're moving away from like just creators like it's still for creators but it's also for anyone that's creative or like works, um, has like a social media powered business.
0: Mm. No, and we're definitely going to talk about Rella because I've got quite a few questions for you and I want the audience to also learn more about Rella. I want to start first with going back to YouTube Mm -hmm. and you being 14, 15, doing these videos. What are, you know, tell us more about that experience. What are some things that you learned from that that maybe perhaps you took on to later create the other companies that you started and perhaps still learn from now working on rella
1: yeah so when i started on on social media i started on youtube before instagram was even a thing so it was a very different world than today um it was my first time ever having like random people follow me like the i don't even think following wasn't even a word because on youtube it was subscribers right so it wasn't even I, i didn't have followers i had subscribers um, and then once Instagram came around, that's when the following term came mm-hmm. like to be. So, I started very early on, and I did not think it could be a business. I, you know, no one was making money at that point. I really did it as like a creative outlet, and because I genuinely enjoyed filming and or and and like being a creative. Um, person like I always wanted to do I always made my siblings like do skits with me and like I would like film videos on my laptop at home and I would film family videos with like my dad's uh, camera you know and it was I just always loved that and then so I, I I started simply out of boredom honestly and like because it was something that I like just enjoyed doing and then I realized it could be a business once I went to college. And I realized that like the girls I was watching, like g Seven, Claudia, all of these other girls, they weren't going to college and they were doing it full time. And I was like, wait a second, how are these girls moving to LA and doing this as a full time job? Like there's, there's no, like how they, they have to be making like decent amount of money if they're deciding not to go to school to do this full time. Totally. And so that's when I realized I was like, okay, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to take this seriously and I'm gonna try to make this into a business. I never thought I could do it full-time. Like for me, that was a very out of my realm of possibility. Like that seemed so far-fetched. It's kind of like for me, what it seemed like was, and back then very few people were doing it full-time. Like now it's a realistic career. Totally. Back then it was like the top of the top, you know? And so that Mm -hmm. was kind of like my mentality was, I was like, okay, as as long as I'm consistent and I can make a little bit of money off of this, I'll be happy. Um, and so that's when I started taking it seriously. And then I just started realizing that social media opens up so many doors. Like I, I noticed that really early in high school. I remember I applied to this thing called 17 style council was on set. It was 17 magazine, which I was obsessed with. I was obsessed with magazines. At one point I wanted to be an editor and all (laughs) the
0: influencers. Well, I guess the, the
1: YouTube influencers were appearing on 17 magazine. That was like the spot. So I, I loved 17 And so I applied to be on their style council and I got it. And it was so cool because I was in five issues of the year. It was a year long thing. I was in five magazines. They flew me to New York like two or three times, did photo shoots at the Hearst Tower in New York. Like it was, I was 15 at the time or 16 at the time. And that was like the coolest thing to me. Totally. Um, And so I did that. And I realized like that happened because of social media. Like I, I knew that I got that because I was on social media. You know, you had to have some social media presence for that. And then when I was in college, I applied for this thing called YouTube Next Step, which I don't think they do anymore, but it's um, pretty much like a YouTube boot camp where you come, they fly you to New York again. They had one in LA and New York and I applied to the New York one, flew me to New York for two weeks for this like YouTube boot camp. They gave you $2,000, I want to say, maybe five, I think it was like $2,000 so that you can book equipment and like upgrade your YouTube channel. And they like gave you a shout out, and you got to go to the YouTube um, uh, offices in the Chelsea Market has oh, like yes. a YouTube studio there, and then the Google offices are like right across the street. Um, so I I got to go there for two weeks, do this YouTube boot camp, get this like get money to like jumpstart you know my YouTube channel, and it was just so cool to see that like a company like that recognized what I was doing. And I just saw, I was like, there is so much opportunity if I keep doing this. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know which doors are going to open, but this sets me apart and this gets me connected to like whoever I want, I thought. Like, I I just saw the power in it very early on when people were not seeing it as much. That's so
0: impressive as a 15 and 16 year old to know... To be thinking and looking at it from a long-term perspective mm-hmm. and seeing the potential behind it and also being comfortable with not knowing what that future looks like. Because I think for many of us, we we kind of like want to go into something knowing what it will be. Right. But going into something, being open to it also gives you the opportunity to expand and look at the other possibilities
1: that may not be directly related to that. So yep. it sounds like that's what you, you experienced. Exactly. And so. I just always re- encourage people like if you have an interest in something, if you want to try something new, like doesn't matter what it is. It could be business, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be business, you know. But if you just have this interest, just do it. Just try. Like you have no idea what's going to come out of it. And even if it's weird, even if it's not common. Like I was made fun of in high school for my YouTube channel. Like that was something that really affected me. And like it made me I remember my senior year, I think I posted five videos all year. Like I was really scared to post and i was so nervous and i would people would comment on my instagram and i, I never like shared it in high school like mm-hmm. people found it but i didn't like publicize it and like if people commented on my instagram my senior year like oh my god i love your videos like just people that were watching me on on youtube i would delete the comments because i didn't want people knowing about it like i was very insecure about it it was not cool but i knew that i just loved it and so I like i was gonna keep doing it anyways even if i was a little scared and like you know, did actually care what people think, I'm glad that I stuck to it. So if you're someone listening and you have any interest in anything, like trying anything that's new or maybe not that common, just do it and see. Cause you, you have no idea what can come out of it. Follow your intuition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Follow your curiosities and interests.
1: Yes. I always say like following your curiosity over your passion, because I feel like a lot of people don't know what their passion is and it can be a lot of pressure to, f- to say follow your passion, and then someone listening is like, well, what is my passion? Totally, I have no idea. Passion carries so much weight. Yeah, it carries so much weight.
0: It's so heavy, and for someone to say that to like 16 17 year old who's in the process of figuring that out, is is almost like counterintuitive. It's it's not helpful to someone. Curiosities, I agree, yeah. is a better way to frame. Um, you know,
1: what their essential path can be in the future. Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, when I was younger, I would have said, if you asked me what my passion was, I would have said fashion. Like I loved fashion. Now, that's not really my passion. Like I, I like fashion. I love like dressing up and like buying new clothes and like, you know, I'll have like, I'll, I'll, I'll post like fashion videos every now and then like an outfit of the day, whatever. But that's not where my passion is. So if I were, you know, 16, and I was told to follow that. It, I might not have been happy later on because I think your passion changes all the time, but your curiosity always leads you to something else. You know, it's like I started a YouTube channel because I was I was also curious about, like, yes, I liked film, like film and um, filming and being in front of the camera, but I was curious of what that was like. That then led me to do, you know, apply for that 17 thing. Then that led me to apply to like the YouTube thing. That led me to then be like, okay, let me like film about you know, I'm going to go into consulting and helping other creators. And then that led me to relic like everything like led to the other. And it wasn't because of a passion I had. It was more because I just like kept following what I was curious about and what I wanted to try. I think it, I think this, this advice
0: is applicable for the present moment, like Mm follow your curiosities, but also one way to connect it to the past, which is how I personally have been trying to create my life is looking back at, you know, my high school self, my college self and seeing what I was following in terms of my curiosities. And then from there, find ways to bring that back. So for example, I think we would have been in friends in high school because I tried doing a YouTube channel.
1: Really? For beauty,
0: Yeah, and I, I loved, I followed the same people that you did. And I tried that and then I gave up. I got a camera and everything, but then I gave up. But then in high school, I joined my high school's television workshop class and ended up creating a ton of videos and content. And I learned all about storytelling. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I, you know, went to college. And while I went into journalism, that's when I realized I wanted to, like, broaden the storytelling aspect of my interest to more than journalism to branding and marketing and then that led me to kind of find the the full-time job I currently have and now as I look back at my career I see the through line like the similarities of every single of these projects that I embarked on which were like creative storytelling content creation and you know that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this now is because It's a curiosity of of mine and I see that it was has always been since I was little. And it also is, you know, it's an it's it's something I love to do. Yeah. So it's a matter of following your curiosity in the moment and then looking back also at your past uh, projects and what you liked doing in the past to,
1: to create what you want out of your life based on your interests yeah I always say that your major in college has so much weight on people especially like you know 18 year olds going to school and it really doesn't matter like I like fully believe that your major does not matter obviously if you want to go into something like being a doctor like okay yeah it matters but if you don't know what you want to do don't worry as much about your major because for me I see the exact same thing where I look back at my childhood What did I like to do? I loved to be in front of the camera. Like, I have literally, like, family videos of me where I'm the entire time, I'm like, can I please have the camera? Can I please have the camera? I always wanted to have it. I would take it and I would film TV shows Mm -hmm. and I would be like, welcome to the blah, 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 blah. And I I would act like I'm like a, you know, person on this, like, news show or whatever. I would recruit my siblings to do it with me. Like, I was that was always what I loved doing I had a stage where I wanted to be an author and I because I think I liked story I I really liked storytelling as well and then I in high school when I was on YouTube I started a styling business for I was like 16 at the time and I started it where people would send me $20 they would PayPal me $20 and then I would and they would give me a budget and I would make I would shop for them like Mm -hmm. send me their address your sizes and i would shop for them i had like five customers i think but still Mm -hmm. that i i see that that was like my first inkling and like wanting to start you know a business and wanting to kind of like do my own thing and then in college everything kind of like flipped where i was like okay industrial engineering so different than you know storytelling video fashion like the complete opposite but now i see like doing Rela, I'm now working in tech and I'm like oh that actually makes sense of why I I just I enjoyed like problem solving and mm-hmm. I enjoyed and that's why I did industrial engineering is like I really liked to solve problems I didn't like science I didn't you know so I didn't want to go into like anything sciency um, but I, I enjoyed solving problems and eventually I was like well I would like to like do something on my own one day so let's try this I like see the through line and yes. everything and so now I've literally combined all of those things storytelling content creation engineering i've combined them into like exactly what i'm doing now yeah I'm like wow that's kind of crazy <laughs>
0: kind of crazy kind of like how things just fall into place yeah and the other thing i think you forgot to mention is your entrepreneurial spirit like yeah. the styling business that you launched in at 16 and then going into you know c- being a content creator. And eventually you also opened up like your own clothing mm-hmm. company yep. and then your personal branding agency. So tell us a little bit about how you chose to open those businesses, what you learned from them.
1: Yeah. So I think the mistake I'll say that it, it's not a mistake that I regret, but I'll say the mistake that I made doing like the styling or the, the clothing shop and the clothing store is that I was so desperate to start a business. I was like, what can I start? And it didn't – I, like, forced it, you know? It was, like – I don't think I really loved, like, the pieces I was putting out there. The It was just, like, I want to so desperately start something. I like clothes. Let me do it. And I think a business – Oh, it's always better when you either feel the problem or it, like, comes to you as, like, oh, wow. Like, this is something that needs to be solved. Even if you're not necessarily, like, the person that feels the problem. But you see, like, the – why you want to start this instead of just being like what should I start because I really want to start something sometimes good things can come out of it like I know people that will sit in a brainstorming session and then like a genius idea comes out and then that's great but for me I know that I started it just because I like wanted to start something so it was I wasn't curious about it you know I wasn't I didn't have the curiosity of what's it like to start a store I didn't have a passion for it it was very it was kind of like out of desperation so I'm I, that's why I ended up ultimately not working because I didn't have the like grit in it. Like when things got like difficult or if I just didn't like want to do it anymore, you yeah. know. And so and I ended ed- up shutting that down.
0: At some point when you sh- embark on a project or a business that doesn't have that needed emotional connection to mm-hmm. and things start to get hard, it's very difficult to continue doing that. I mm-hmm. can also speak to an experience I had. I used to uh, write a newsletter about wellness physical mental spiritual wellness and I did that for a year and again creative storytelling but in writing form Mm -hmm. and I hit a point where I realized it just it was becoming too hard for me and there wasn't that emotional connection that I needed Mm -hmm. to continue doing that and now it's pivoted to something a little bit more that you know video audio things that have always been in my past so you need that
1: emotional connection to launch something you do especially because your business will end up being a part of you and like an extension of you and although I don't want my identity to be in my business like it is a part of me and so you if you don't really love it and don't have that emotional connection you're gonna want to separate yourself from it you know and you're not gonna want to stick it out And so I think that's what happened with the clothing store. So I ended up shutting that down after maybe like a year and a half or two years. Um, It did fine, but you know, I didn't, I I didn't love it and I didn't want to keep doing it. Um, And then I, my second thing, like the agency, I actually really did enjoy doing that. I loved working with brands. I loved working with creators that's when I started noticing the pain point of, oh my gosh, creators are so disorganized, and myself included doing this full time. And why are we using like so many different tools? I started seeing like the pain points that all of these creators, including myself, felt. And I was like, why is there not something out there that is just like one app, one website, one tool that you can kind of like put everything in as a creator? And that way you have way more time focusing on like content creation and connecting with your community than this like organizational stuff because it was so annoying for me Mm -hmm. and I was doing it as a business. I mean, it was my full-time job pretty much and I still felt like like lost and disorganized and I was like, this just isn't, I don't feel like I'm doing this as a business because I like am so scattered. And so that's when the idea of Rella came about. So because of what I was doing at the agencies, how I kind of came up with the idea for because I saw it more and I felt the pain points more. And so, but I really did love doing that. I just couldn't do both. Mm-hmm. And so I prioritized, right. you know, building Rella over um, one-on-one consulting and like helping brands because I also knew if I built Rella and I built it route ra- and I built it well, it could help all of these people. And so that's kind of why I, I wanted to go that path. And I, yes, didn't, I like don't do the agency stuff anymore.
0: Yes. Yes. And I always think that entrepreneurship is a process of Mm self-discovery, um, looking at your pain points and creating problem solving a way to address that. And that's, that's what you did. So tell us more about Rella for those that aren't familiar with it.
1: Yeah. So Rella, I like to say it's a digital workspace for any creative professional. So whether you are a content creator, you are a social media manager, if your business runs on social media, you're managing creators, um, we're that digital workspace for creative professionals to manage their content and organize their business. So from planning all of your content across all platforms to tracking your campaigns and your earnings and your income to keeping all of your files and your content in one place and, and organized like any campaign that you do, any client that you work with, it's going to be in one place instead of having a million different apps. Um, and so that's what Rella is. And I think that social media, any any business owner, I think, is going to eventually become a content creator. And I think content cre- creators are becoming business owners as well. So I think that the 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 market is just like expanding for it, where it's not just, you know, a traditional like influencer. It's that's why I like to say any creative professional. yes.
0: yes. I, I have a few more questions around Rella, but I want to double down on something you said, which is, Any content creator is going to be a business owner. Any business owner is going to be a content creator. I think that speaks to the power of a personal brand. Yep. You have a very, very strong personal brand. How do you, how did you, how are you doing it? Like tell us the secrets. What, how, what do you recommend for those that want to establish themselves as thought leaders in the space as, you know, a really strong personal brand?
1: Yeah. I think there's two things and you might've heard them a lot because I feel like they're, they're repeated a lot, but number one is consistency. I think you have to have that be the number one thing that you focus on because if you create amazing content but you upload once a month, it's not going to matter. Like you will not get your name out there because people will forget about you because social media moves so quickly um, and it's social media algorithms are not going to promote you if you're posting once a month. So consistency is the first thing. Set a schedule for yourself. I do not agree with the unrealistic schedules of posting five times a day on TikTok and burning yourself out. I think that's crazy and it does not lead to success long term. I do think though that you can set a realistic schedule. Can you upload on TikTok three times a week? You know like set something for yourself that works for you and then as the months go on you'll figure out you know if you can upload more or like what works but set a schedule in the, the first thing. And then the second thing I would say is find content pillars. So I am not pro niching down because I am such like a multifaceted person. And I think my audience and and people that consume social media, we're all multifaceted or multifaceted people. We all like different things. So I don't think you necessarily need to niche down and talk about one thing and one thing only. Because eventually I do think people will get tired of that. So you might do really well at first. You might grow a ton at first because you're talking about one thing and anyone that's interested in that thing will push your content. But eventually people are probably going to get bored of that because you've said everything you need to say about that one topic. And then they're going to find something else to go to. So you might have this giant spike, but then you're going to plateau or, or, or decline because what else can you say about one topic forever? You know? Yes. So that's why I always say like content pillars are so important because you can find like different mini niches within these content pillars. So for example, mine. I would say mine is content creation. So behind the scenes of being a creator, being a con, like anything that has to do tips with how to grow as a content creator. Second thing would be startup life, founder life, tech startup, founder, anything in that realm. And then the third one is more generic. So like lifestyle, living in Miami, my personal life a little bit more. And that's really broad, but it gets people to get to know me. So even if Maybe my personal stuff or maybe, for example, like my startup stuff, it doesn't do that well. Like it's not the thing that gets me the most amount of views. I'm okay with that because I know that it's positioning me though with anyone that's interested in startup content, I come up. And the truth is like not that many people in the world are interested in startup content. Like lifestyle is so much more broad. So you're going to get way more people interested in that. But people that are watching my startup content are really interested in it and so then they'll constantly come back to me so I think it's okay to have a few that you know not all your content pillars are gonna do that well but I think if it's if if, if it reaches like the exact person you're trying to reach even if it's a small demographic I think it's worth it
0: yeah so I mean also you've been doing this since you were in high school like yeah there's a long time <laughs> a long time so like you not only are you building a solution for creators but you also have the experience of being one for 10 plus years so listen to listen to natalie she knows
1: (laughs) i will say also nowadays obviously like numbers people really care about it you know the followers how many views did something get likes all of that i have been doing it for 12 years i've never had anything go like viral like nothing i mean i have like I think I have one video on YouTube that has over a million views. Only one in 12 years. Like, that's kind of crazy, I feel like, if you look at other creators. My growth has always been slow and steady. Like, And I think the only reason why I'm able to, like, make a career out of it is because I was consistent with it. And, like, stuck to it even if I wasn't necessarily growing. Um, and like right now I'm not in a season of growth on social media. Like I'm Mm -hmm. very much plateaued or like losing followers, but I'm still consistent. And I know that that's still helping my personal brand. So it's not all about the numbers all the time.
0: Right. How do you balance creating a business, creating your brand?
1: How do you do it all? (laughs) It's really hard. Um, I think with my content, because I've made it so all my content pillars revolve around me, if I'm being honest. Like, it's, like, the startup founder side of my life, the content creation side of my life, the Miami living, like, lifestyle stuff part of my life. So, I don't have to take time out of my day to, like, produce amazing content. Like... OK, I, I'm not I'm not really putting effort into the content itself. I'm putting effort more into like the value and what is this bringing people. Mm-hmm. If the video is not perfectly edited, that's fine. If it's filmed on my iPhone, whatever. Like I'm more focused on putting stuff out there than like perfection. So I'm not spending that much time creating content, um, which I think you can't be a perfectionist if you're a content creator, I think it depends. Like there are some people where they're known for their craft and they're known for like their filmmaking. And that's a little different. I'm not, I'm known for more of like, what am I doing in my life? And I want to like get value from you and like hear tips and learn. So it doesn't matter if the video is like perfect. Um, so that's one thing, release perfectionism with it, or else it's going to take a long time for you to Mm -hmm. upload content. And then the other thing is, I just really stick to, like, a calendar. Like, I set my content calendar on Rella. I try to stick to it as best as possible. I try to, you know, like, I, I, I plan the week ahead of time so I know, like, when am I filming? When am I editing? Or when do I send it off to an editor? Like, I do outsource some things, too, which helps. Um, but I just, like, plan ahead. A lot of it is just, like, planning ahead and outsourcing when you can.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's that's definitely like one of the things that we should all be thinking about when even like planning our personal lives, yeah. like appointments, all that. No, that, that totally makes sense. Um, I want to also, you know, talk about your thoughts on the creator economy for the future. Mm-hmm. What is it? What, what
1: do you think? Yeah. So I definitely think, like I said, that I think creators are going to become businesses. Businesses are becoming creators. I, I think that nowadays social media is what, like if you're, if you're going to a restaurant, you're looking on their Instagram account or their TikTok. If I am planning, you know, if I'm going to a workout studio, I'm looking on social media. So I think like those businesses are going to need to become content creators kind of in their own right. Like not even just have a presence, but like you will see like Delta Airlines doing like funny videos on TikTok. You know, it's like, it's not commercials anymore. It's f- having a personality. Like every brand has a personality And I think that's going to become more and more important. And small businesses, especially, people want to know the founder. People want to know the story. People want to know how did you come up with this with a small business. So you're kind of going to have to become a content creator yourself as a business owner if you're starting out today. And that's any company. You could be a landscaping company. You could be a realtor. You can be a, a restaurant owner. Like, doesn't matter. Like, my friend, for example, she owns a coffee shop. She said, so she just opened her second location. And one video... Went, did really well on TikTok. It has like 40,000 views. So, not even like a crazy number, but 40,000 views for like a local coffee shop is really great. Yeah. She said the next week, she got so many people coming into her coffee shop, like a record weekend she had. Wow. And she said that almost everyone came from TikTok. And no it way. was, yeah. And it was the video was a vlog. It was her. She was like, day in the life of a Latina coffee shop owner in Dallas. That's what it was. And it did really well. And it wasn't about her coffee shop. It was about her as the founder. Like she showed herself waking up. She showed herself coming in. You know, it wasn't like, here's some new lattes that we have. Come on in. Like it wasn't an advertisement.
0: No, because that actually feels, you know, the personal stories feel so authentic Mm -hmm. and we want to connect to the person building the coffee shop we want to connect to the employees behind delta like there's a reason why all this content works is because it's authentic
1: yeah like airlines are doing like with their flight attendants like tiktok dances in the plane like whatever it's people want that authenticity they want the relatability and they want to know more they don't want to be sold they don't want to be um advertise to like they don't want to they don't want someone selling them stuff Mm -hmm. they want to feel like the consumer wants to feel like they they came across this on their own and it is their choice to now go and support this company like i came across this coffee shop on my own so it wasn't like an advertisement of this coffee shop telling me their discounts of the day because then it's like "Mm, why are they like it's whenever you start being sold something it's like "Mm, i i'm smarter than you like i'm not gonna fall for this right even if you want to do it when you come across something and you're like oh wow like i really love the founder of that let me try it you make that decision they're oh. not telling you to do it of
0: course i there are so many products like for example gia
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is a non-alcoholic beverage um i started following the founder way before she even founded the company melanie so shout out to her and i loved her personality i loved how she showed up on social media as soon as she launched gia
1: i went and ordered gia yeah and it's funny because today when we were talking about it before we started recording i was like oh Gia, like i've heard of it and and i think i asked if it was like bella hadid's brand which again another like founder or yeah like co-founder whatever whatever she is for for kin um but then you're like oh no this person found it like you you didn't tell me oh i their instagram is super cute and i saw them at target and both You told me that who the founder was and that's the connection you had to it. Yes. So I think that if you are a business owner, if you're thinking of starting a business and you are, you know, you don't want to be on social media or you don't want to share your story or you think your products are just like good enough alone, it can still work obviously. But I would highly recommend coming up with a personal brand strategy to attract people to your business.
0: Agreed. Agreed 100%. Uh, Jessica Zweig, who you had on your podcast, is a mentor of mine has a personal branding firm, and she talks about this over and over and over again. So yes, definitely um, you have to have one and check out both Gia and Jessica's Yeah, highly recommend. The last question I have for you um, in terms of advice for anyone who wants to be a content creator or is a business owner and looking to launch their personal brand mm-hmm. is we talked about consistency, we talked about content pillars, we talked about creating an authentic connection. What about, you know, all the different channels available now? You know, there's YouTube, there's podcasts, there's newsletters, Instagram, TikTok. What is the advice you have for those, you know, overwhelmed by the number of channels of how to
1: connect with their audience? Yeah, I think always set something kind of what I was saying with consistency. If don't do something that's unrealistic to you because you're gonna burn out. So don't say I'm gonna go on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'm gonna do them all really well because you're not going to in the beginning. It is really hard. I would stick to two. Two social media platforms at first, do those well, and then see whatever else you're interested in. The ones I would recommend, Instagram and TikTok right now. Just because I think it's the they're easier to I think TikTok is easier to grow on. Instagram is easier to grow on now with reels, but I do think TikTok is easier. Instagram is a place where it's kind of like your portfolio. It's your website. Like when you meet a friend, you follow them on Instagram. When you when you like someone on TikTok and you're like, oh my God, I love their videos. The first thing I do is like I go to their Instagram and I follow them. It's where you catch a glimpse of their daily life. YouTube is more like I am choosing to sit down and watch this dedicated video. Like you need to have time. You're it's more of like of a ritual. It's not something that you're mindlessly scrolling on like Instagram where you can just keep up with people. So Instagram is the place where people are going to keep up with you. TikTok is the place where you're going to grow. And think of it as like TikTok is like user acquisition and mm-hmm. reels, I guess you can say, too. But Instagram is like your community.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's someone, um, Ali Debo, who I interviewed on the podcast last. She talked about using Instagram as a CRM. Yeah. Um, To kind of like save the people places that she wanted to visit or get to know. So it's definitely a really great discovery platform.
1: Yeah. And like stories are so great because people can just see what you're doing in the moment. Yes. Like TikTok, you might have to edit it a little bit more like Instagram stories. It's you and it's less pressure because they go away in 24 hours. So you're not thinking about what you're posting on Instagram stories. You're just in the moment. So people really feel like they know you. Yes. Yes.
0: Now, before we get into the rapid fire questions, you know, one piece about the self-discovery journey is that looking back at our life, things make sense. But when we're in the midst of self-discovery, which mm-hmm. we all are at every aspect, in every aspect of our life. But when we're in the thick of things, when we feel lost, when we feel confused, you know, for example, like for you, I'm sure you had those moments mm-hmm. growing up. How did you deal through those phases of your life? What advice do you have for those who, really want to do something meaningful with their lives who know their curiosities Mm -hmm. and yet still feel a little bit stuck or unsure of what the next step is yeah i think i mean
1: i i would just kind of go back to that following your curiosity but just going for it like just go if you have a curiosity about "Mm, i kind of want to do something like this talk to people in your network or not even in your network find make a network like go on LinkedIn and message random people start do the first step like i think there's a lot like you can be curious about a lot you can think about a lot you can say that you want to do a lot of things but until you actually start practicing it and doing it even if it's a very small step like the smallest step you can make that's when you start learning about yourself. That's when you're like, "Oh, wait, I actually don't really like doing this," or "Oh, I'm I'm good at this," or "Do I work well under pressure? Do I enjoy me- meeting new people?" Like you just learn so much more about yourself versus when you're thinking about things, when you're just like, "Oh, I would love to do that," or "I'm curious about that." You're not learning about yourself as much as when it's like put into practice. And if it doesn't work out and if you don't like it, you can always switch, quit. Yeah. Like I'm not against quitting. Like when people are like, "Don't quit." I'm yeah. like, If you don't enjoy something, you really don't want to stick to it, just quit and find something else. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, there feel, it feels like it's a lot of pressure for people to, to
1: not quit,
0: but sometimes quitting will lead you to find actually maybe something else that yeah your interest yeah
1: and I think that you will know when you're quitting out of just like fear that it's difficult yeah. versus this is not what I want to do and I need to make a change yes. so follow your intuition start putting things into practice um, and I think that's where you like learn the most about yourself right
0: and actually this makes me think of a piece of advice I'd, I received um, my last year of college from a professor who said um, you know have a compass mm-hmm. but don't have a map so know the direction that you want to go but be open to not knowing how to get there which speaks to the idea again follow your curiosities kind of like have a long term or like north star of your life yep but it's okay to not have a map but to not know exactly the, the next step because it'll come to you naturally as long as you have that north star clear in front of you
1: I love that quote. I'm going to start using it. Yes, you should. Oh (laughs) my God. It's brought me a lot of peace,
0: honestly. Like in the midst of trying to figure my own life out, trying to figure out what I'm doing with theory and practice, as long as that North Star is present Mm -hmm. and you have some sense of clarity, you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. And don't be afraid of failing either. People fail all the time. Every successful person has failed a million times. You're going to fail in your lifetime. Like everyone fails. And that doesn't mean like failure is not like the end of the road. It's just like a detour. Like I don't think it's, um, you shouldn't be scared of that.
0: Yes. Agreed. All right. Well, now we're going to shift into the rapid fire questions. The first question I have for you is what does self discovery mean for you? Oh, Um,
1: I think it self discovery and confidence go hand in hand to me. I think the more you learn about yourself and the more you discover yourself, you become more confident in who you are. Um, because i feel like sorry this is not rapid fire when you're no young, no
0: no, please please give us
1: when you're details. younger you don't really know who you are you're trying to figure that out and you're always trying to figure it out but i think the more and more you're like oh this is who i am like i am a strong person i am a uh i'm um i have this entrepreneurial spirit i'm a go-getter whatever you decide that you are or, or discover you become confident in that like it gives you a you realize, like, it, like a lot of things start making sense. Like, a lot of decisions start making sense. A lot of things that you've done in your past start making sense. And then you kind of start having more of a metric of, like, where you need to go, like, the compass quote. Like, you start realizing, like, what's your North Star and where you're going to go the more you discover, like, who you are. Mm, I love that. What does wellness and being well mean to you? Oh, I would say that wellness to me is um, just being at peace with yourself. So... You don't need to follow all the things that are like, you need this, 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 and this. You need a twenty step nighttime routine and a, you know, spa day every week and all of this stuff that probably costs a ton of money. Like you don't need that as long as you are at peace with yourself at the end of the day. I think that And would, peace is free. Yes. Peace is free. You don't need to buy things. You don't need to go on excursions and retreats and you just need to be at peace with yourself. Yes. Yes. And I'm so glad you said that because you know, the, I did an episode,
0: the second one, all about what self-discovery means Mm -hmm. and the way that I believe it manifests into each of our lives, if we really think about it, is introducing it before we introduce Mm self-improvement. Because oftentimes we jump to following what someone is doing or following what a book tells us to do before we even go through the discovery path of ourselves. And if we do that, then we either, you know, we're not going to be living the life that Is ours, we're gonna be living the life of someone else. yeah So self-discovery before self-improvement leads to personal growth, to personal development,
1: and that's really the magic formula in my opinion. I totally agree because there's so many things. Like I can I've read so many books and podcasts about like CEOs and entrepreneurs, and there's so many things that very and you'll see some entrepreneurs do like they'll wake up every morning at 5 a.m., they read the news right away, they do they go on a run, whatever. Others will sleep until 10 and they'll, they work well at night and they're, you know, more of like a social butterfly, whatever. And both of them work because it's so dependent on the person. Yes. So you have to figure out what works for you. Yes. What's one habit, ritual, or belief that has changed your life? Uh, I would say a morning routine and having time alone before the world starts or f- before like I... Start working before I start like immersing myself into the world. I would say, like I like to wake up early, um, at, like seven, and not that that early, but I like to wake up at like seven a.m. Have my morning routine. Like I'll work out, I'll move my body, I'll clean a little bit the apartment, and, like tidy up. I'll make coffee, I'll make breakfast, and I like keep my phone on do not disturb the whole time. I'm not like checking email, I'm not checking text Like everything can wait until I decide to start my day at like. 930 I would say mm-hmm. so I like to have a really long morning routine where it's just me and myself um and then I don't have to worry about like what do I have to do today and all you know I'm, I'm not worried about any of that and that's really set me up to have like a good peaceful day because if you just wake up and you like open your laptop and start working from bed that I don't know how people do that like I'd be so stressed out and yeah
0: it, maybe it works for you but it also true, doesn't true. work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. like to like
1: be by myself for yes. a while.
0: Yes. Okay. What's one product that is under a hundred dollars USD that has enhanced your self-discovery journey?
1: Oh, okay. I should have like prepared these answers. <laughs> no worries. Um, okay. Under a hundred dollars. Okay. I would say a good journal. Like, I think one for me, I started journaling four years ago. I think it was 20, 2020, so three years ago, I started journaling. And the journal itself, I think, costs like 30 bucks. It's a, I, I'm very particular, though, with like my journals. Like, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be like good paper and you have like a nice pen with it. Um, and I just started journaling and writing things that I'm grateful for writing things that I'm praying for writing things that what what would make today a good day what are some things that are going on in my life and kind of like writing letters to myself in a way. And that has helped so much like I can tell when I journal for it versus when I go like weeks without it, mm-hmm. that I'm so much more stressed. I'm, you know, I'm much more emotional, like it just helps so much getting it out on paper. And my goal for my journal is, one, just to say anything and everything. Like, my journal knows all my secrets. It knows all my, like, anything that I've ever felt, even if things I wouldn't tell, like, my friends or anything. And eventually, I, I want to keep all my journals, and I would love to give them to, like, my kids when I have kids and, like, when they're older or when they're going through, like, the same stages. Because I feel like so many times, like, if we're talking to our parents, we're like, okay, but you don't get it. Like, you don't understand what I'm going through and i would love to just show that like i've been in probably a lot of situations that they'll be in and you know i they can kind of like read my my journey of self discovery through this journal that literally took place over years um and then hopefully it can like help them or bring them peace too but it helps it brings me a lot of peace by like journaling writing it out down, yeah
0: mm-hmm. well i'm sure that they are going to appreciate it one day yeah it'll be like ew mom what are you writing about <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what's one free app on your phone that you use you know to enhance your self-discovery journey um hmm, okay that you recommend in general that kind of like helps you with mental wellness
1: yeah i'm trying to think okay an app on my phone I mean the notes app for just like drafting anything in my brain I would say. I honestly my notes app is like a hodgepodge of things. It's so random. It's like an extension of your journal but like digital. Yeah it's just like in the moment thoughts. Yes. Yes. so honestly my notes app is one. I'm trying to think if there's like an app though that has helped with like self discoveries. So this doesn't help with self-discovery but it's helped with just like my peace <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's an alarm clock app it's called sleep cycle i hate waking up as you can s- i've told you my mornings are like very yeah. sacred to me i hate waking up stressed like i need to wake up peaceful of uh, that blaring like apple alarm i can't i can't do it i cannot do it so i have this app called sleep cycle it just like gently wakes you up it's like birds singing and it like starts really quiet and then kind of gets a little louder and it's such a peaceful way to wake up and it really starts like if I wake up to like a blaring apple alarm I'm I don't have a good morning so
0: <laughs> I am the same person all my alarm clocks are uh like they're like uh waves crashing into the beach mm-hmm. or birds or like rainfall like yeah. all these like nature sounds because I agree I can't do the beep, beep like no it's just, and like, you get to start quietly yes and yes. then yes. build up instead of just like Oh my God, it's so loud right totally. away. <laughs> my alarm clock is, I have a physical one. It also lights up. Um, oh, I have like, the
1: hatch also. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I'm traveling, I use sleep cycle. When I'm at home, I use, use hatch. that one.
0: Okay, love it. Okay, and last question for you before we wrap things up is what's one resource, can be a thought leader, it can be a book, podcast that you recommend others
1: check out? Um, For podcasts, I've been really loving, I love... um. The Skinny Confidential, depending on the episodes I like, like it, her, their yeah. epis- Their podcast is very dependent on like what they're talking about and who the guest is. But I think they do talk about like really cool things and have interesting guests. Um, the other one that I really like is Peyton Sartan's podcast. It's like Note to Self. And she just does a lot of like advice uh, advice episodes, chatting with friends. And she's so authentic and like so unfiltered in herself mm-hmm. And it's just, like, helpful because she's also in her late 20s. Um, And I feel like nowadays, like, there's a lot of creators are really – they're younger than us. Mm -hmm. And so I really like following someone that's, like, a little older than me or, like, my age. So I think she's, like, 29 or something like that. But I just love her podcast. And it's, like, so herself and – she talks about things that's like, oh, I didn't realize other people felt that way too. I'm glad I'm not alone. You know? Mm. So I really like her podcast. Gotta check her out. And it's just like a fun podcast. Like yes. it's not super serious. It's not yes. it's just like a fun I, I really like it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I have mm. to check it out. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the Theory and Practice podcast. We are so honored to have had you come to the the makeshift studio. Yeah, I love it.
1: I really love it. <laughs> thank you
0: so much. Um I will hopefully see you in October or before yeah. then if you come to New York. And uh be sure to check out Natalie on social, on she has a podcast that we'll link out below. Mm-hmm. Um we'll provide all the website info around Rella, the app, everything down below. But is there anything else that you wanna share with the audience? No,
1: I think you got it covered. Yeah. Ever you you mentioned everything. Okay. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks guys.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please give us a rating, a follow, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find Theory and Practice on Instagram, on TikTok, as well as our website, theoryandpractice.com. And thanks so much again. We'll see you next week.